0: Today we are joined by one of the most exciting managers in the WSL. Carla Ward has turned Aston Villa from relegation strugglers to top four disruptors. I caught up with her yesterday and it was such a fantastic chat. So because we love you guys so much, here is a little bonus before the final weekend of the season. Enjoy! Well, welcome to the pod, Aston Villa manager and longtime listener of the pod, Carla Ward. Thank you so much for joining us, Carla. You've told me in press conferences that you listen to the podcast on the way to training. Is that correct? I do. I do. It gives me something to listen to. <laughs> well, I will take that as a glowing uh, a glowing feedback, um, not just something that you have to listen to. Um, I mean... What a season you've had! I've just come from the Barclays um, Player and Manager Lunch. Um, you've been nominated. That's pretty incredible. How proud are you of that?
1: Yeah, very. I think look, when you get to when you get to this stage of the season to be nominated with with particularly you know Emma Jonas and Mark is is huge. But I think this season's been different in the WSL, and I think that makes it even more special. Um obviously the other three have had tremendous seasons. So whoever wins will be a worthy winner. But um yeah, for me it's just a great honor to even be in that category.
0: Well, well placed and I think well deserved um as well. Obviously fifth place is secured now. Um how do you reflect overall on this season? Um
1: with with a lot of pride, if I'm honest. I think, you know, when we when I came into the football club a couple of years ago, we knew what we wanted to set out. I actually looked through that presentation um, the other day because I wanted to see exactly what what we've achieved and what we still need to do. And um, it's safe to say we're well on track and probably overachieving. And I think this season we have, but I think that's credit to everyone, you know, the players, the staff, everyone's tight-knit. The football club from top to bottom, you know, are fully supportive. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a good place to be but um, there's still obviously me being me, more work to do to try and make sure that we can maintain this now.
0: Yeah, the work is never done. You were saying to me after the match um, at the weekend, how fifth place was kind of an internal target and it was was a Kenza Dali who let it slip. <laughs>
1: yeah, so Man City away, um, 1-1, live on Sky, she, she was asked a question around, um, what our targets were and she said we want to be top five and and uh and i was thinking no this is an in-house target we we told everyone you know we wanted to be better than last year we told everyone top eight um you know i set a target of top six to everybody but soon then the players push and that's great and everybody collectively wanted top five so yeah kenza get <laughs> the cat out of the bag and that was that everybody knew that's what we wanted to try and achieve but <clears throat> look they're saying it, and then there's there's living it, breathing it, and achieving it. And I think we've uh, we've done that really well this year.
0: And obviously, you know, going far as well in the FA Cup. Is there still a lingering sense of what if? You know, over that one nil defeat to Chelsea. Uh,
1: honestly, it haunts me. It it really does. I, I had a I had a few sleepless nights. It was it was a tough one to take. So I thought we were excellent. I thought that was by far one of the best performances, certainly since I've been here. And I think all the players felt that too. So you saw at the end everyone dropped to their knees. It was it hurt a lot. Um but you know what? After after a defeat like that, you can either roll over um and let it affect you, or you can use it as ammunition to try and finish the season strong. Um and I think we've done that. I think we used it as motivation to go after our other target, which was um top five, and, and look, again, it's it's a credit to the players. Um to, to have kept going, especially after that.
0: Rachel Daly. Yes. You know, at the at the start of May, she became the first English player to score twenty league goals. Obviously she's on twenty-one now, isn't she? Um mm. when she signed in, in mid-August, quite late after the Euros, did you ever expect her to to hit these heights? Um, no. Um we expected her to do very, very well.
1: We knew what we wanted. I'll be honest, we we worked so hard for so long to try and get her through the door. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with the board um, and there was a lot of questions. You're bringing in a left-back. Um, you're bringing in a left-back to solve your problems in front of goal. And I said, no, she's a centre-forward. She's, you know, she's a natural-born goal scorer. She's a winner. Her movement in the box, by the way, I've never seen a centre-forward with that type of movement. By far the best, in my opinion, English centre-forward. You know, she knows how to, to, you know, Play between the two centre halves, and she's done exceptionally well. But certainly, we expected her to to score us. You know, we were hoping eight, ten goals would be a really good season. But then she's obviously on twenty one. Uh, one more gets her um, obviously a record, Media while record. So I think she'll want to go after that. But big thing for her when she walked through the door, I want the Golden Boot, and she's close to that now. So. Um, but look, credit to her because, you know, she works extremely hard, she's dedicated. She's um She's got a mindset of, she wants everything done in a certain way. Um, and yeah, she's, she's been absolutely first class.
0: I love that as well because often when you talk to players about like personal accolades or golden boots, you know, they, they're like, oh, you know, if I get it, I get it, it's not a big deal. I like the fact that you guys are open about the fact that she wants it. Absolutely, yeah, you know, this.
1: I heard somebody say the other day that, um, that people weren't too interested in in that. No, no, let, let's be really honest. As a player, you want to win awards. As, as managers, you want to win awards. As football teams, clubs, you want to win trophies. You want to get into finals. <clears throat> Anybody that tells you any different, um, yeah, it's probably giving you a PC, <laughs> a PC answer because the reality is we all want to win things. Um, and if we didn't, then we shouldn't be in the game what is she
0: like to coach
1: (laughs) do you know what she reminds me of me when i was a lot younger she's a live wire um she she's a great human being um but yeah she's got something to say she'll say it which is great uh she wears a heart on her sleeve you know one day one day she'll be she'll be fiery the next day she'll be relaxed um but um she's she's brilliant to coach she's brilliant to manage she really is she's um she just gives you something different and yeah like i say she's uh i didn't have a quality of course but i think the way that she is and she can be and wanting demanding and hot-headed and then calm and i think that that was a little bit of me when i was younger so um yeah she's uh she's somebody i've enjoyed working with that's for sure
0: i spoke to her after the i think it was the norway friendly in november um And I asked her about the fact that she's playing two different, vastly different positions for her national team. Like many dream to play one position for their national team. She's out here playing two. And she spoke about the work that goes on to be that good in both positions. And I think maybe we take that for granted that, you know, it doesn't come that easily to be a world-class left back and a world-class striker. Um, and, And, you know, when you look at her conversion rate, like her big chance conversion rate is something like 75% what makes her such a such a potent striker do you know what
1: you you just used the word world class there i think she's a world-class footballer and she's an intelligent footballer she reads the game she gets the game and i think that you can see that you could put her anywhere on the pitch you could put her we played her in center midfield this year we played her begrudgingly at right back this year against arsenal if you remember when we were short and um, she she can play anywhere, but that's just because she's a naturally gifted footballer, a very talented one. So um, yeah, I think um, you could literally put Rachel Daly anywhere and I
0: think she'd give you the same. Um, you said when you first brought her in as well, Rachel Daly is nowhere near a defender in your team. She is absolutely a striker. <laughs> We're starting to see her play striker now as well for England. Would you like to see her start ahead of Russo? I think she has to. Um, look, I think if you look
1: at like you've just said then, her conversion rate, you know, a movement in the box, Russo is a top top player, you know, she really is. And they're both, you know, Serena's got a good headache. Um, I'm you know, you might think it's me being biased because I work with Rach. But um, you know, I think uh you look at the games that Rach has started for England, um, how many goals she scored, what she's created, and I think that the numbers speak for themselves.
0: A little bit about you know obviously we talked about Rachel Daly there and and we talk a lot about the players you've brought in and and how successful they've been but a bit about you um, as a manager how do you think you've grown as a manager at Villa?
1: Yeah, I've grown a huge amount. I think, um, I, if I look back every year since I was at Sheffield United to Birmingham to here, I learned valuable lessons in in all three roles, but I would say. Uh, Villa have really allowed me to grow with them. I think when I came into the football club, I was still only a year into the WSL. Um, Very fresh. I still am, but I was even more fresh then. And I think it was, um, they were new to the WSL. Can we grow and learn together? Um, And they've allowed me to do that, you know, make mistakes. I think that's really important. And It's never plain sailing. You're going to make mistakes along the way. They've allowed that. They've uh, supported me uh, both on and off the pitch, you know, with the good and the bad. And I think that that then allows you to really focus in um, on where you want to improve, where you want to get to. I'm very clear of where I want to get to, and, you know, I want to win things. I want to be competing. I know I've still got a long way to go, a lot to learn. Um, But certainly I'm at a football club that's allowing me to do that.
0: If we look back at um, Birmingham, um, I feel like there was a lot for you to have to contend with as a manager, both off the, f- the field um, you know the circumstances around players formally complaining about facilities and working conditions. Equally, when you joined, you had eight available senior players. Um, you know, in terms of having to rebuild the squad, fight against relegation, also deal with these, these off pitch issues. How much did that influence you as a manager?
1: Do you know what? I'll I'll always be forever grateful to Birmingham because you know I always say hard times and problems, mistakes. They they all they help you grow, and I think Birmingham and some of the challenges I had to face, I think really really set me in a good position um, for for Well, for my future, and I think I'm looking back now, only two years ago. And, I, and it taught me an awful lot. And I think if I look back in 10 years, I'll probably say the same thing again. So, um, yeah, a lot to deal with on and off the pitch,
0: but it taught me a lot. Um, and for that, I'll always, be, I'll always be grateful. How much did kind of having to rebuild that squad impact, you know, the, the signings you brought in this season, obviously you brought in the likes of your Jordan Nobbs, Lucy Stanaforth, Rachel Daly, you know, the one thing I think that sticks out for a lot of people is how quickly those players gelled Together, do you feel like there was an impact from what you had to do at Birmingham, or is it a bit more about what you'd done at Aston Villa already? I think
1: I probably pride myself on trying to get the best out of individuals by treating them as people. And I go back to when I played at Sheffield FC. I had a manager, Helen Mitchell, and I always, I, I always knew that I wanted to one day treat people the way that she treated me and allow your football not to come second but the reason i think i played probably the best football i ever played was because of the way that she guided me she treated me so it sounds daft but i think i always wanted to pride myself on a similar um person yeah to helen so you take that and i'll take jordan for example she probably needed a little bit of love um you know a few of the players did and Sometimes it is an arm around them and reminding them what they've achieved, reminding them how good they can be, reminding them that I need them, as well as the players, as well as the football club. And I think sometimes it gives them a purpose. Um, And certainly, I think then you can try and get a little bit more out of them. But if you think that certain players you've just spoken about then have come from clubs where they've not played football, so just giving them the platform to play naturally, I think is um,
0: something that you know you're going to get a little bit out of them. Speaking of that kind of player management, you've got a lot of different types of players in the dressing room. You've touched on it there, that it's something you've always wanted to do. I feel like we're seeing more of that in the game, the, like the importance being placed on player management and you tend to see the best out of players when you manage them like that.
1: Yeah, I think... Um, <clears throat> I I read um one one of Sir Alex Ferguson's first books he talks about his job as a manager is around conversations with players rather than the football side and it couldn't be more right I think you deal with more day-to-day um issues and goings on um with players and staff than you do actually the football side of it and but I think it is really important that you can treat them as individuals you can you can you can use them, you can't don't be shy of asking them for advice. Don't be don't be shy of asking them, you know, I've got experienced people in the building that have won way more than I, you know, I may ever win. So I think it's tapping into that. I think it's um yeah, like I said, that human side of the I might be the manager, you might be a player, but we're both we're both human beings that want the same thing. So how do we get there together? And I think if we can have that approach with
0: most, then um we put ourselves in a good position. And you obviously had some, some pretty big players involved as well. Like you had the likes of Anita Asante, you had Jill Scott involved at one time. Anita obviously retired at the end of last season. She must've been a big voice in the dressing room. How have you replaced that or how do you kind of fill that gap and how much do you rely on those leaders within your team?
1: Yeah, look, Neats and, and Jill taught me a, an awful lot last year. As did Rachel Quaizi when we were at Blues. I think um, these senior players you you have to use as much as you can, and then when they do go naturally, you think, okay, who's going to pick up the reins? Um, but but I think the players that have come and have done that. Kenza leads in a way that you know she's just an unbelievable person to work with, and leads in a way that people don't realise. Um. So we we recruit players. Dan Turner, quiet leader, but leads. Um. Very well respected. Rach Daily leads. Um. You know they all they all lead in their own right. Lucy Staniforth. They, there's a lot of them. You know those players that came in. I would argue that they've all got traits that are leaders. But what I would say is I think we we had some other leaders in the building as well. Um. And there's a group. You know all the other group which I call the unsung heroes. Don't get spoken about enough. You know, they're tremendous characters as well. So
0: I think we had a group that were ready to lead each other and that was really important. Speaking of big characters, obviously just going back to Jill Scott. Um, I know she wasn't in for a long time, but what was she like to have around the team last season? I remember speaking to some players and they they sung her praises.
1: Yeah, I've I've known Jill for years. So um, <clears throat> I have a relation, good relationship with her anyway. But I can honestly say she's got to be one of the best professionals I've ever worked with. You know, I remember her saying to me, look, you might not like somebody, you might not like something, but you're here to to do a job. And she used to say, she used to hate players that used to moan because, you know, we're all here for the same thing. You're not going to go to any job anywhere and like everything you do. So, you know, get on with it. But um, she was um, unbelievable to have in the building and, uh, I think we all knew, didn't we? Anyone that knows Jill, as soon as she stepped into that jungle, you knew she was going to win it. Why? Because she's just the most um, genuine, humble individual. Um, And what you see is what you get.
0: Planning for your next trip? Um, you're a, a young manager. You started at, at 34. Um, who have you looked up to and, and learned from as a coach most so far in your career?
1: I think Emma, Emma Hayes. I think um, you know. I went to Birmingham, and yeah, like you said, with with eight players, you sort you sort of go. I remember Brighton away on the first day of the season, and I shook Hope's hand, and she said, "I'm not going to say good luck because I wouldn't mean it." You know, I don't understand why managers do that, and <laughs> Which is fair, you know, fair play. That's that's true. What she said, but I thought, oh my god, I'm in the WSL. Here. Is this what it's about? Are they brutal here? So um, anyway, week two. So week one, I had Hope, and then week two, I uh, I had Emma. But by the way, that's no disrespect to Hope. She's also been very very good, and she's always great every time I speak to her. Um, but yeah, then we came up against Chelsea at home. And I saw her walk across and I thought, i got to go and introduce myself, me being me, go and introduce myself. So I walked over, I said hello. And we must have spoke for 45 minutes. You know, time was passing by, players were warming up and, and uh, just had the most fascinating chat with who I thought wouldn't give me the time of day, naturally, um, but was so open, um, wanted to obviously exchange numbers, said to me, anything you need any help you need um, I will help you I will guide you if you've got any questions you come and speak to me Um, and she was excellent and I remember driving home that night and thinking okay you know I I love to learn so if someone's going to offer me help I'm absolutely going to take it and someone like Emma who's won it all uh, arguably the most respected coach in the game and uh, so (laughs) that evening I messaged her, you know, hopefully that you meant what you said and, you know, the rest is history. So, yeah, she's she's been there a lot. I think that that first year at Blues, you know, every time I had a problem and I didn't know how to deal with it or I didn't know the best way to deal with it or probably needed a little bit of guidance, I'd pick up the phone to her. So, yeah, I think um, she was excellent for me. Um, she really was and particularly when... There were certain moments where I was horribly stressed and you know on the verge of probably saying <laughs> saying things that I shouldn't she she really, really calmed me, um made me understand for the greater good um long term, what do you want to be, what do you want to be seen as? So yeah, she she was great and um I'll forever be grateful minus kicking us out of the FA Cup semi-final of course.
0: <laughs> that was going to be my next question. You've you've formed this bond with her and this, you know, friendship with her and um you know, I've I've caught some good photographs of you two pre-match and um but then I can't help but think back to last season's game where Sam Kerr scored in the last minute. You almost caused that upset. <laughs> and then the FA Cup. Like, what's it like when you're actually across from her in the dugout? And it's, let's be real, you're difficult to play against. Yeah, it's,
1: um, it's business as usual. She's a winner. She's an absolute mentality monster. So, of course, she's not going to give you any favours. It doesn't matter how much you like she likes you. So, yeah, when that um, it was funny because five minutes before that goal went in, one of the players went down So they should have given us the ball back. And she said, don't give them the ball back. We've got a game to win. And I thought, ruthless. And I thought, oh, my God. Like, maybe I need a little bit of that. But I was like, wow, she does not care. She wants to win the game, which credit. Like, of course you want to go and win the game. And um, then the goal goes in and my heart was broken. I felt, I literally fell to the floor. I was like, wow, she's running down the touchline. She comes back bouncing and she said, she looked at me and she went, sorry <laughs> and, and after the game she said look i'm sorry but it's my job and i said don't 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 ever apologize because if it was me i would have done the same um but yeah we uh we have that 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 mutual understanding and you know i said to an fa cup final day a message in the morning saying good luck make sure you win because you took my dream away <laughs> <laughs> and uh she sent a lovely message back to be fair that um one day it will be us one day she'll be watching one day she'll be supporting us um myself trying to uh, win a trophy so credit you know she's she is an unbelievable human that tries to push people on and i don't think she gets enough credit for that because it's a lot of work that people don't see
0: yeah I love that and and you're right. That's something we don't see as journalists or fans is the work that kind of goes on behind the scenes and the relationships and support that are given behind the scenes um how How do you learn from other managers? Is it a case of like watching their tactics? Is it about reading books? Is it speaking to them directly? What is it? A bit of everything <clears throat> so I'll pick up
1: to various managers you know Beardy was another one that was really good to me when I came into the division um there's there's different people that can offer different bits um I think reading yeah of course um, watching I think just asking the question sometimes how how do how do you do this how how might this look but i'm I'm quite big on wanting to find another way constantly wanting to improve even when for example when jill come in or jordan or rachel you know causey this they come through the door and the first question is well what's the best things you've seen let's write them down you might take one bit two bits but um never 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 be afraid to to ask i guess but um yeah it it, it can be a mixture watching reading asking
0: all of it i probably do it all yeah
1: and
0: um, in terms of looking ahead for Aston Villa, I mean, you've gone from kind of fighting relegation to I've been calling you the disruptors, um, <laughs> the ones that are going to start bothering the top four and causing problems. You're already doing that. How do you kind of manage club expectations when you, when you achieve what you're achieving?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think uh, managing the club expectations is the problem. I think that we're very clear with what we want to achieve. I think managing player and fan expectation is going to be key. Um, Look, the last few years you've seen whoever's finished fifth really pump it. Um, And I think it's really important. Someone said to me what success look like next year. And I think success next year would be top six, maintaining top six. But increasing that um, points total and trying to shorten the points total between fifth and fourth or sixth and fifth, fourth. I think that's going to be that would be success. You know, there's a lot of people talking about the top four, but I don't think you can get too carried away with that just yet. I think, you know, foundations are key, sustainability is key, making sure that you keep building um, on and off the pitch because it's not just about bringing in new players and winning football matches. You can bring in the best players in the world, but then if you've not got the infrastructure right, it's then the environment becomes tricky. So I think it's really important that we get it right off the pitch as well as on the pitch. Um, and make sure that we've got player care in place to be able to then bring it, continue to keep bringing in these types
0: of players. How much are you across that side of things? Like beyond the kind of players on the pitch, how much are you across the facilities, all the kind of staff that supports you? How involved are you in that?
1: Yeah, I'm very involved. Um, I'm a control freak, so I'm involved in everything. I want to know everything. I mean, most meetings side so Talk to everyone at the football club. We have consistent <clears throat> meetings with the CEO, with the directors of football. Um, you know, all the the board. <coughs> we have really good relationships with, so yeah, that's really important. Again, even though we're at the awards last night, spent half an hour talking to someone that can help me try and get better facilities. Although that sounds crazy because we've got really good facilities, but there are a few bits that you know we want to continue to improve. Um, so. Yeah, I think um everybody's pushing in the same direction.
0: Um but yeah, I have involvement in everything. And obviously you've had a, a couple of games at Phillip Park, you know, the last one you played against Liverpool, despite it being a draw, it was a really enjoyable match um from a neutral perspective to watch. Um, from seven and a half thousand fans as well. Um talk to me about that in terms of the club's ambition.
1: Yeah, I think um Yeah, first and foremost, the game maybe for the neutral might have been good, but I think it probably lacked a lot of quality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think the fans have been sensational this year. I think when you're at Walsall and you hear 4,000, is absolutely rocking. So we want to continue to build those attendances both there. um, But when we're in Villa Park, I think we need to try and increase it again. So there is a lot of work going into it from a marketing and commercial point of view. Um, but certainly, that seven and a half thousand needs to look at over ten thousand at Villa Park consistently next year. And I think um, the best got the last few, the last couple of games, obviously, we're reaching four and a half, five. Um, so, can we be pushing over five thousand for, for best got games? The good thing is, um, you know, play, people want to come and watch us at the minute. So, we know how quickly that can change. So, we have to continue to keep working to make sure that we keep improving. So, if we do. Um, then people will want to come and watch us for sure.
0: And is that something like looking around the league? Do you look at other teams doing it well? Do you do you think your kind of team that are involved in that side of it, that marketing side of it, are they looking at other teams and trying to learn what they're doing right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I know um, I got a bit of clobber for something I said a few months ago, which was not take, well. It was taken out of context and there was only a snippet rather than actually what was... The, the grand scheme of it. The grand scheme of it is what Arsenal have done has been unbelievable in the past, uh, however many years, many years ago. Um, they probably give away tickets to schools to get kids in. Then the parents pay. It increases that um, visibility. Now they don't need to give away free tickets because now there's 50,000, 60,000 people paying, but their model over the, a period of many years has been brilliant. So, actually, what I was doing is saying is it's a positive one and they've done it tremendously well. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I think Arsenal for sure. Um, I think Chelsea. If Chelsea, obviously, they've got an unbelievable little ground there. But, you know, at some point, it, they might have to move given their fan base. But, yeah, if I would say one team that have done it very, very well, you would have to have a look at Arsenal's model.
0: And in terms of the league as a whole, you know, you've managed teams at the top of the championship, the bottom of the WSL, now you're kind of knocking on the door of the top four. What's your overall sense of the competitiveness of the women's game in England? It's great. It really is. It's moving at such a rapid
1: rate, you know. Sports science is coming. There's a new new avenue of sports science every single every single year. Um, different um <coughs> different researches is allowing, you know, the body to to keep moving forward, I think there's a huge demand on the female body, but I think I think the way the game's going now, it's not going to slow down. If anything, it's going to continue to go that way. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we have to keep protecting it, though. We have to keep moving forward. And um, I look at from when I was playing on fifty pound a week to now, and some of the wages, you think, wow, where's it going to be when my daughter's who's free? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's 20, where's it going to be then? So, yeah, I would love to
0: uh, hopefully still be in the game then, but we'll see. I think you will be. Um, do you get much time to look at other leagues around Europe or or see how they're doing? I'm a bit of a football geek, so I watch every single bit of football I can.
1: Um, yeah, I, it was quite... Somebody said something, I, I read, I can't remember who it was, but I read a tweet about the fact that I don't sign players from abroad and they're probably right yeah i go with experienced players that um well i've always gone with kind of experienced players or players that know how to get out of certain situations or how to push us on <clears throat> so um i've always gone down that route however i'd say this last 6 months we've looked at all the different leagues we've watched a lot of top top players around europe um and uh, yeah
0: now now i would say i watch a lot more I do think, like, obviously, not just the English League growing, but Europe as well. When you look at the Champions League, this season has been so competitive. You know, obviously, the Euros gave a lot of us a chance to see more teams. Um, What is your kind of view on, on, I guess, women's football in in Europe as a whole and Champions League as well? It's great. Um,
1: Somebody said the other day, should we have Europa League? I'm not quite sure we're there yet. I think from a financial standpoint, we're not there yet. I think I'd like to see it you know the way the game's growing. I could see it probably in three to five years' time, <clears throat> maybe three years if it continues to go at this rate. but European football on a whole is it's just been unbelievable. You've seen the movement between all the different leagues, but now I would say that we're surely we are
0: the most attractive and the best league in the world in my opinion can i am I allowed to ask you who would be who's your your favorite player in in Europe at the moment, or will that set rumors <laughs> about? <laughs> no, I won't say rumors like we probably can't afford them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? It's funny because I actually uh, Guru Wrighton is somebody that I um I sometimes tell young players to watch how she takes a ball because I think she's a wonderful footballer. I really do. I think she's fascinating to watch. Um, but look, there's so many, so many that that, that I like. And I know she's English, but Kiera Walsh for me, one of the best best in world football. Um, by the way, neither of them two we can afford, so there's no rumor <laughs> mill going on here. Um, but yeah, I um, Caroline Graham Hansen, big fan of hers. Uh, bon Mati, big fan of hers. So yeah, those types of players. But yeah, there'll be no rumors. I can assure you. We <laughs> have,
0: okay. have to sell arms, legs, and limbs. I think. <laughs> oh you know we'd love to see it Um, for yourself as a manager as someone who sets long term ambitions where do you see yourself in 10 years Tom it's a good question
1: Um, I'd love to be uh, I would love to be with Aston Villa Um, I I really want to be somewhere for a long time and make a difference and make an impact and I think (laughs) we've started well enough but we know how quickly that can change but in 10 years' time, competing, winning titles, getting to cup finals, you know, knocking on the door of Europe, or well, 10 years' time being in Europe. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I certainly want to be, within 10 years, Champions
0: League, winning things, uh, for sure. Perfect. I mean, that's what we want. We want you in the game mm-hmm. uh, as long as possible and Villa to go mm-hmm. as far as possible. Um, and obviously, most importantly, for you to continue listening to the podcast. Which is <laughs> I, your I most do. important I challenge, do. right?
1: <laughs> I do. I actually was thinking the other day, I couldn't find any to listen to. I listened to Counterpressed actually. Um, yeah, that makes me laugh. But um, yeah, I listen to any, anything women's football. I love hearing people's
0: opinions. Good. We're just going to pretend that upfront is your favourite. Um, and if I have to say no, it that's is, fine. It is. It is. I'm not twisting is. your arm here because uh, <laughs> we're on Zoom, so I can't mm. physically twist your arm, but um, we'll take it. No. Um, it is. But no, seriously, thank you so much for joining us, giving us your insight. I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure our listeners will too. Um, And yeah, I think we've a lot of, you know, pride and I think expectations from Villa and
1: rightly so. Thank you. Anytime. I'll have to listen back to this and realize just how bad my throat is because obviously (laughs) as you can you hear, horrific throat. So yeah, no, thanks for having me, thanks for having me. It's cause you've been out running and setting personal bests
0: because of yes. us. Yes,
1: yeah, I was on the bottom road and I realized I needed to get back. So <laughs> yeah, very, very quick kilometer back.
0: So, wow, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed that episode. From Carla's friendship with Emma Hayes to what it's like to coach Rachel Daly to where she wants to be in 10 years. I can't pick a favourite part, but I loved it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this special episode of Upfront. Remember, if you've got any questions for us in the meantime about this episode, tweet us at Football Ramble. I'm at Girls on the Ball or Chloe is at Morgie underscore 89. See you guys soon. Upfront is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.